0: The Rural Radio Network presents the Friday edition of Midday. And here we go, off the mark and running down the stretch here. its uh, I know we're going to be talking a little bit about the Olympic Games here in just a minute. Just a little bit. All right. So we'll kind of liken this to a speed skating match. We try to get to... Uh, to the end before we run out of information
1: and we also try not to have the massive pile up of bodies at the end but there's certain (laughs) things in life you can always count on the water is wet sky is blue and there's going to be some controversy because of the olympics usually involving the russians uh yep that's
0: that's common yes all right let's uh, get off on the right foot here then we have susan littlefield standing by how you doing susan
2: I am doing well. It's you don't have any
0: snow yet in Surprise, Nebraska, do you? At least according to my map.
2: Well, you know, it's funny because I just come inside from doing TV and it was snowing because I came in with snow on my jacket. Oh, but did you
0: really? Okay, I must have just started then. Okay, so it we have an idea. Uh, we are beginning to get to also, just so people are aware, you might be listening to your local station for some of these changes in schedules because uh, due to some of the anticipated snowfall and driving conditions... A few things are being pushed back. We won't get into that right now, but we will uh, let you know as we get through the course of your midday program today. Right now, though, we're going to be talking about, um, I guess uh, they say that uh, necessity is the mother of invention, and that goes as well for crop insurance, Susan.
2: It very much does so, and we have got a folk, um, gentleman joining us from Farm Credit Services of America is going to sit down and we're going to talk at 1245 about crop insurance, um, the things that you need to keep in mind, and when you're planning for coverage, other things that you need to look at beyond what crop insurance is, in the sense of saving you money, mm-hmm. because the whole gamut of crop insurance is to be a protection. It's there if you need it, and of course, we'll talk more and dive more into that. Because before you know it, it's going to be that time you're going to have to be sitting down to get that taken care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Talking weather, of course, as always with Al Dutcher at twelve nineteen, and. Just a little bit of that snow headed this way, and I wonder in the end how much everybody's going to get because we've getting such a wide variety. But he'll talk about the forecast moving into the next week. And then at 117, Dr. Thompson with the AVMA talks about veterinary loan repayment programs. So if you are a vet or a vet student or have one, this might be a program you're not going to
0: want to miss. Okay, all aspiring vets, make sure that you're tuned in. Thank you, Susan.
2: Exactly. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. And uh, of course, we've got uh, those Olympics underway here. A little political overtone there.
1: The Russians uh, have, or well, sorry, not the Russians have banned, but the International Olympic Committee has banned forty-five Russians from the Olympic Games because of a controversy about doping that goes all the way back to the 2014 Sochi Olympic Games and. And they have barred other athletes from participating from Russia, but only from Russia. They're still allowed to compete as Olympic athletes from Russia, not Russia. Russian Olympic athletes. I see. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. It, was a big difference oh, it
0: sounds like a huge difference. <laughs> big difference to me. there. Yeah. There was
1: also a fire sale yesterday. The Cleveland Cavaliers got rid of six people <laughs> and two trades and got four younger guys back. And there's hope for young men out there everywhere. Jimmy Garoppolo, who was the backup for Tom Brady, just signed a contract with the San Francisco 49ers larger than any contract that Brady himself has ever signed. Wow,
0: Bob Brogan in business.
3: Stocks are struggling to stabilize in unsteady trading, so things are kind of up and down and all around today with the markets. We don't know where they're going to go, but uh, where they'll stop, nobody will know.
0: (laughs) Nobody ever knows. It's midday on the Rural Radio Network. Snowfall is uh, across parts of the northern half of Nebraska. You could just about guarantee that someone's seen something here.
4: Definitely, uh, especially towards Gordon, Nebraska, they've had eight inches
0: of snow. Oh, man. And five towards Shedron. Yeah, and we are going to be expecting that to expand and kind of complicate things as we get into our Friday nights. This is brought to you by, that is our Ag Weather with Paul Perkins, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer.
4: And we do have that light snow mainly over north central Nebraska from just to the east of Chatterin to about Ainsworth and Valentine to the south of O'Neill. Also some other areas of snow from Broken Bow back towards Mullen this morning and some snow very light in intensity towards Columbus, Aurora and York. All this snow gradually sliding towards the south and southeast. Those winds strong out of the northeast and that's adding to the wind chill right now. Many of our wind chills currently in the single digits just below zero in Nebraska and just above zero on the wind chills as you head towards northern Kansas and right about nine above in the upper single digits in northeast Colorado. The snow, thanks to some disturbances dropping south, that will increase that chance maybe of a wintry mix today and some snow chances for today into tonight. Those snow chances increasing as the day goes on as that system gradually slides to the south. Temperatures not moving a whole lot today, steady or dropping as that cold air filters south with some strong north winds behind this Arctic front. Snow chances more likely tonight in southern Nebraska and northern Kansas. Total snow accumulations in most areas expected to range 2 to 4 inches, about 1 to 2 inches expected from Hyannis to southwest Nebraska on the lighter edge of things. You can see those snowfall maps on our KRBN Facebook page. There will be a break in the snow before another snow chance drops south tomorrow afternoon. Temperatures tomorrow on the chilly side, but with lighter winds. A westerly flow Sunday and next week, going to lead to some sunshine and temperatures closer to seasonal levels. A weak disturbance Monday night could bring in a little more light snow, but nothing like we're probably going to see over the next few days. But once again, not expecting a big system this weekend, just about May. Maybe at most 2 to 4 inches in many locations. There is a slight change in our long-term forecast and it's a change towards the cooler side. Temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas look to be slightly cooler than normal for Wednesday through February 2nd. The low number of precipitation expected Wednesday through the 22nd for both Nebraska and Kansas. Weather factors in the markets include minimal rain for Argentina and only light moisture for the southern plains Periods of snow will linger across the lower Midwest the next several days. That heavier rain will continue to fall in the southeast U.S. Bitter cold across the northern plains and upper Midwest will ease significantly early for next week. Dry weather will persist through the middle of next week for across the southern high plains. That moisture in the form of some mainly light snow for the southern plains wheat area is about 7 to 10 days out. Not enough most likely to ease any drought conditions crop prospects in central argentina will continue to decline scattered thunderstorms and some cooler temperatures this weekend easing the crop stress but unlikely to improve the prospects much after heat and dryness much of this growing season a drier trend in southern brazil should end this weekend crops continue to do well since it's not been too hot wet conditions returning in Mato Grosso may further delay soybean harvest and second corn crop planning.
0: Now, we have also seen a couple of things uh, fall here schedule-wise, and I was a little bit surprised to see that the Carney High School basketball game uh, or games with Omaha North have been postponed due to expected travel conditions. Is it going to get that bad? Well, you
4: know, that couple of inches of snow, I'd, yeah, I'd imagine they're concerned driving a bus with those kids on it, I probably just okay. don't want to risk it.
0: A little bit of wind, plenty of cold. And exactly. if, again, if you want to check those uh, expected snowfall amounts, you can go to the KRVN Facebook page. Our Ag Weather with Paul brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your ranky dealer.
4: And also, if you want to make sure your event's still going on, you can check our closings and cancellations page at krvn.com before you leave it today. All right.
0: Good place to go, krvn.com.
5: Canada pushes for labor reform in NAFTA that, quote, bites... Tyson warns outside industry factors will cause a rise in prices at the meat counter. And if you're looking for a weekend activity, you may want to start on your taxes. That's all ahead on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Canadian Foreign Minister Chrystia Freeland lobbied for her country's proposal to beef up labor standards among the NAFTA countries during her testimony before a legislative committee this past week. She said the labor proposals are among the strongest Canada has introduced as part of a trade negotiation and are meant to protect those who believe globalization has left them behind. This is a set of proposals that would bite, Freeland said. It's not fair for Canadian workers to be exposed to the race of the bottom where labor standards are lower. At the latest round of NAFTA talks, labor leaders and some lawmakers pointed to the lack of labor rules in NAFTA as a possible way for the U.S. to address concerns about manufacturing jobs headed towards Mexico. In other ag news, freight may hurt beef prices. Tyson Food Inc.'s chief executive said rising freight and labor costs will mean higher meat prices for U.S. consumers. Tyson projected a nationwide shortage of trucks and drivers that will add around $200 million to the meat company's cost, this in 2018, while rising wages for packing plant workers also increase expenses for the biggest U.S. meat processor by sales. Freight is a tough one. It's affecting all of our businesses, said Chief Executive Tom Hayes on a Thursday press conference. Ultimately, the consumer is going to pay for it at some point tire makers beer distributors and other companies are struggling against a nationwide trucking shortage the strengthening u.s. economy is driving industrial production higher so companies are trying to ship more goods at the same time, bad weather has slowed transport across the U.S., and the ELD rule that took effect in December has cut into the availability of roadworthy semis. Short-term prices to secure trucks have jumped nearly 20% for industrial freight. As a result, long-term shipping contract rates are projected to climb between 5 and 8% this year. Tyson Foods CEO Hayes said Thursday at the press conference, it's critical that Tyson recover some of these growing costs. Tyson is discussing price increases with grocery stores, restaurants, and distributor customers. Customers. Unfortunately, this may also mean that Tyson pays less for live cattle to try and trim input costs. The latest cattle on feed shows plenty of cattle in the feed yard, and if retail beef price hikes curb beef consumption, the shock could quickly run down the entire supply chain. Finally today, if you're needing an indoor activity this weekend, you may want to pull out your financial records and get your tax returns ready. Jabella Guzman has more on why it may take a little while this year to file your taxes.
6: It's tax season, and with the new 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, there are plenty of questions regarding the new legislation. Jessica Groskoff, Agricultural Economics Extension Educator at the Panhandle Research and Extension Center, says for agriculturists who deliver grain to elevators, there are still questions as Section 199A has created some new difficulties.
7: You know, right now, the, the true answer to the 199A question is that we don't know. Until we get those rules and regulations from the IRS, we're not sure how the law is going to be interpreted or if Congress is going to go back and change that law. So right now you might have um, received a letter from your co-op stating that if you sell to that co-op, you could receive a generous tax benefit for doing so. However, that's really dependent on how that law is interpreted and then also your current financial standing.
6: Groskoff says there are a lot of new items in the tax law and it will take a while for people to become accustomed to it. She says the earlier you start, the better. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman.
5: Have a great weekend. I'm Clay Patton. Keep a straight row. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
2: Shaylee Peters joining you back here on the Rural Radio Network. It's time again this week to visit with Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. Al, some parts of the state seeing snow earlier this week and a warm-up for some parts of the state. What can we expect headed into this weekend and next weekend? More snow, or what do we have on the radar there, Al?
3: Well, certainly it's not going to melt off over the next couple days. In fact, many locations will probably add an inch to anywhere up to three inches, depending on where you are located in the state. We're going to have to wait a few more days for us to reach that freezing mark. But we have this cold front with the Arctic air moving in. There is a convergence zone with very, very weak lift aloft. With these cold temperatures, of course, it doesn't take much in the way of any moisture to produce light, fluffy snow. And that's what we're seeing. And as that uh, cold air sags toward our south, in the mid-layers of the atmosphere, we'll have some energy moving across the state that will support a continuation of these light snow trends as it sags toward the south. Um... Most likely, as you get into the southern half of the state, we'll be looking at a regeneration of precipitation during the afternoon hours and overnight. Uh, And then, of course, a secondary wave moving out uh, across the uh, central plains, basically right across northern Kansas as we go through uh, Saturday night and into Sunday morning so we could actually see some additional accumulation south of the Interstate 80. Looks like the heaviest totals will be right along the Kansas-Nebraska border. We're probably talking one to two inches but as is the case with these type of systems you can see an inch or two variation from there particularly when it's light fluffy snow. A brief intense period of an hour of heavy fluffy snow easily can accumulate an inch or two and that will bring your totals up. So when we look at this, this will be Hanging with us through the weekend, we'll stay a couple days of cold, and if we are to believe the model, we finally start to see some warmer air building in during the middle of the week. More importantly, though, the cold air that is sagging down, we're going to see a cutoff of upper air low form over the southwestern United States from well, this cold air as it moves toward the south. And that's going to allow that cutoff upper air low to start to drift uh, by the end of the next week into the southern plains and this might represent one of the better opportunities for moisture that they've seen in the last four months but i've noticed over the last couple of runs of the models that they're taking some of that energy away from that system so they've lightened it up the precipitation i think the real thing that we will be watching for is as this thing crosses southern plains and we see the warmer air building into the central plains there's signs that some more cold air will come down next weekend so we'll watch this upper air low with keen interest because if it's able to lift a little bit more toward the northeast, we would see a better precipitation shield move into the southern Rockies. And if that cold air comes down quicker than it's originally forecasted, we could see a merger of the energy from the southern stream and the northern stream somewhere in the south central plains, which would help to increase precipitation totals. And this would be pretty important for the wheat complex simply because of all the dry conditions, at least give them a semblance of hope. As we go farther out into the future, a lot of uncertainty. It does appear that a warmer trend will build in as we as we go into later in the month, but the model's been saying that now for a couple of weeks. We know we'll get a break from it eventually. So this is a very important stretch we're coming into these next two months. As it goes, most likely we'll go our chances for either a very uh, wet summer or, unfortunately, a very dry summer. So we're just going to have to wait and see how this plays out. But at least there is some hope into the near future that we will start to see some energy moving into the western United States, and maybe that will translate into some more robust precipitation activity, particularly for the central and southern plains.
2: All right, thanks so much, Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. For more, you can visit RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
0: You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports now with
1: Brandon Bennett. Good afternoon, Dirk. Well, the old saying that success breeds success is only partially true because success also breeds a number of copycats. The Minnesota Vikings have hired Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles quarterbacks coach John DeFilippo as their new offensive coordinator. DeFilippo replaces Pat Schirmer, who became the head coach of the New York Giants recently. The 39-year-old Filippo spent two seasons with the Eagles after one year as offensive coordinator with the Cleveland Browns. With guidance from DeFilippo, offensive coordinator Frank Reich, and the head coach Doug Peterson, Eagles backup quarterback Nick Foles found a rhythm in the playoffs after a rocky takeover from the injured Carson Wentz and, of course, led the Eagles to their first-ever Super Bowl title. Speaking of quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo has signed a major five-year deal with the San Francisco 49ers, reportedly worth a record-breaking $137.5 million. The NFL Network reports that the average annual value is $27.5 million per season. That's $500,000 more than the previous season high reached last year by Detroit's Matthew Stafford and far more than what Garoppolo's former mentor Tom Brady has earned throughout the majority of his career. Brady's former backup led the Niners to a season-ending five-game winning streak after the Patriots traded him for a 2018 second-round draft pick. With their NBA title hopes fading fast, the Cleveland Cavaliers got aggressive at the trading deadline yesterday. The Cavs unloaded six players including Isaiah Thomas, Dwayne Wade, and Derrick Rose as well as two future draft picks in three separate deals general manager kobe altman wanted to revitalize an aging team he felt quote was marching a slow death in quote and not fulfilling its potential as a title contender in the short term but also to potentially help keep lebron james around in the long term in return cleveland added four players to its roster and all four reported to the team's morning shoot around this morning in atlanta lebron james says it's his job to help them integrate as quickly as possible well in case you missed it the winter games are officially underway in Pyeongchang, south korea South Korean President Moon Jae-in has declared the games open and South Korean figure skating gold medalist Yuna Kim has ignited the Olympic cauldron in a chilly opening ceremony that highlighted Korean unity. A North Korean and South Korean from the country's joint hockey team also participated in the ceremony handing the torch off to Kim. And it wouldn't be at the Olympics without some controversy. The International Olympic Committee has banned 45 Russian athletes from the Games just hours before the opening ceremony over a massive doping scheme dating back to the 2014 Sochi Olympic Games. But the IOC did allow 168 Russian athletes to compete as, quote, Olympic athletes from Russia the lower house of the russian parliament the state duma responded with a statement deploring the court's verdict but anti-doping officials praised the ruling which is a heavy blow to the russian metal chances that's a look at sports stay tuned more of midday is straight ahead you're listening to the
8: rule radio network Cloudy skies in Nebraska tonight with a chance of snow. Lows from six below to eight above zero across the state. I'm Dave Schroeder. Senator John Marante went before the legislative committee yesterday to talk about his legislation to address potential voter fraud. Senator Moranti attended the hearing with Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft, who talked about his state's passage and implementation of a constitutional amendment calling for a photo ID requirement to vote. Ashcroft's message to the committee
9: that voter ID is a common sense way to make sure that every registered voter can vote and that people have confidence in our elections and participate you know the voice of the people is a foundation of our form of government it is under attack and we need leaders like Senator Marante on front of the issue making sure people that have confidence in our election systems so that their voice will be heard.
8: One of Senator Maranti's bills would require officials to check voter records for dead people and confirm the citizenship status of all registered voters. Another bill would require voters to produce a photo ID to vote, Senator Barranti says he's been all over the state and has yet to hear a Nebraskan say they oppose common-sense voter ID laws. A majority of the Nebraska state senators support voter identification. Our governor supports voter ID, uh, and it's time that the Nebraska legislature uh, get on with its business, stop filibustering, and get to a vote on the bill. Moranti says 97% of registered voters have a form of identification that qualifies, and those that don't could get one from the Secretary of State's office. Moranti is a Republican candidate for state treasurer. The measures were heard by the Government, Military, and Veterans Affairs Committee. Police are seeking a gunman. Witnesses say burst into a Lincoln apartment where a group was playing dice, demanding money, and randomly fired into the crowd of people there. The shooting happened last night, injuring one person. Lincoln officer Angela Sand says seven people were inside the apartment at the time of the ambush. One man was shot in a leg and taken to a local hospital. He's expected to recover. Police say some of the people in the apartment knew the gunman, who has not been found. Police say several of the witnesses are cooperating with investigators. Kansas lawmakers have approved legislation to put a statue of President Dwight D. Eisenhower on the statehouse grounds to go with multiple honors inside the building. The House approved the measure Thursday after the Senate passed it last week. It next goes to Kansas Governor Jeff Collier, and his staff said he's eager to sign it. Ike is honored with two statues and a portrait inside the statehouse. Our app puts regional, ag, national, and area news just one click away anytime. Reporting from the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder.
6: If you raise crops, you know the importance of crop insurance. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Cody Dvorak is with Farm Credit Services of America. He sat down to talk to me about some of the tighter margins that are in there for the fifth year in a row in crop insurance and things you need to think about as you move forward this growing season.
10: That's right. You know, with commodity prices being down, um, you know, we really don't think this is a time to accept any additional, additional unnecessary risks. Um, a lot of the uh, producers this year are going to be looking to or at least tempted to look at lowering their premium or lowering their premiums by lowering their coverage. Um, we don't think that this is a good idea because you know when markets are down, it's a time to shore up that risk. Um, if you're looking to lower your premiums, we really suggest you come in and talk to us. Um, we can do that through different policy structuring options, um, and we are non-commission based agents, so we are always looking um, for your best interest. Um, the other thing that with this is that we encourage you to really use your revenue protection throughout this year. Um, The revenue protection gives you the ability to market your grain when profitable um, margins present themselves.
6: So would you say a majority of farmers then utilize risk management tools when it comes to doing some advanced marketing?
10: Definitely. You know, we did a survey here at Farm Credit Services of America and found that a third of our producers really find that crop insurance gives them that peace of mind that they need. When they're marketing grain during the growing season and it hasn't hit the harvester yet. Um, you know, and we certainly encourage this behavior. It's just, you know, one more benefit to crop insurance and it can be the difference between a profitable year and not for a, for a producer.
6: So how can a farmer get the most out of their crop insurance money?
10: Um, the first thing I would suggest is looking for those cost savings, um, that, that you can take advantage of without hurting your um, coverage. Those might be through unit structuring, whether that's optional units, enterprise units, enterprise by practice. Um, we also suggest you take a look at your hail products. There's a lot of variance out there in the market between um, just products, how they work, and how they're priced. And lastly, um, on that, we encourage people to look for discounts and endorsements that would save them money, such as the beginning farmer rancher discount. Additionally, we also suggest that you know and understand the policy options that you have because these can, these can affect the amount of coverage that you're able to purchase. Um, and a few examples of those are the trend adjustment, the yield adjustment, yield cups, and yield exclusions.
6: So what are some ways that they can sit down with you, and how can Farm Credit Services of America help them make those decisions?
10: Well, you can get in contact uh, with us at any one of our local offices, or you can find us online at fcsamerica.com and get in contact with one of our crop insurance professionals. And, you know, as I bring that up, that's truly what we are as crop insurance professionals. It's literally all we do um, day in and day out is crop insurance. Um, and with that, you know, with us being non-commission based employees, uh, we keep your best interest in mind at all times. And we can help identify those cost savings, um, maybe some insuring pitfalls or even um, some ways to make your coverage more effective and efficient um, through that discussion and review process.
6: So is there any pitfalls, any issues that they need to be thinking about?
10: Yeah, some of those pitfalls that I kind of alluded to would be, um, you know, some changes in USDA programs, just reporting and claims procedures. And then one big thing that we always run into is um, feed records for guys who are feeding um, some of their harvests to um, cattle on the operation. You know, that's, those are some generalities. It's really a tough question because all operations are unique, and we take a unique approach to um, every operation and how we ensure those operations.
6: So how do you guys keep them on track? Because I know paperwork can be quite the distraction for anybody.
10: Right. Right. Um, you know, one thing that we do is we stay up to date on all policy changes and program changes. So we know when there's changes and how things need to be reported. Um, we're always up to date on that. It is a benefit of being a crop insurance agent only and not working with other lines. Additionally, we have great working relationships with our local FSA offices and we communicate back and forth with them on a very regular basis. So we're pretty up to date on things that are going on even beyond crop insurance that affect your risk management plans.
6: Well, what are some of the other things crop insurance agents are doing to help our producers this growing season?
10: Well, here at Farm Credit Services America, we're, start, we're really investing in some technology. We want to streamline the process and how we do business between ourselves and our customers, making that as easy as possible. Another thing that we're doing as far as investing in technology goes is we're really working towards making use of the, of the producers planting and harvest data that they're able to get from their planter and their harvester and really make use of some of that technology that they have on their farm to go beyond their farm. (laughs) Kind of more of a business-to-business approach um, with some of that technology.
6: Is there anything else that you'd like to mention, things that you guys are doing to help make these decisions much easier for the producer?
10: You know, I guess for the most part, we would just want to sit down, have a one-on-one conversation, and get to know the operation a little bit so we can make the best um, recommendations possible the other thing that i want to always encourage our producers in the area to do is just kind of keep an eye on on the things that are happening in washington dc
6: my conversation with cody Dvorak of farm credit services of america i'm susan littlefield on the rural radio network
11: let's review the livestock futures trade now with joe teal at great plains commodities joe
7: yeah, that uh, we're going to end the week uh, not in very good shape. Uh, we're going to have a lower week for cattle feeders and for hogs and, uh, in the futures contracts. So when we look at the uh, day, it wasn't really all that bad. February cattle were the only winner. They finished a little bit better, but uh, uh, the rest all lower. But uh, maybe a little comeback here very late in the day. I haven't heard of a whole lot of cattle trading, but I did hear of some at 125, which is in itself uh, a little disappointing. So that uh, that did, did uh, help the market though a little bit. It seems as if we uh, all day long followed the uh, the stock market, and uh, in all of these contracts, back and forth, up and down, up and down but uh, mostly on the defensive throughout the day. The uh, feeders finishing with one triple-digit loss, that was in the March feeders, the rest uh, lower. Uh, cutouts were uh, lower at noon, which didn't help matters either. Over in the hogs, uh, we had uh, uh, hogs basically under pressure throughout the day, but nothing very hard as far as being down. The uh, cash seemed to be uh, a little bit weaker. Cutouts at noon were lower, and that uh, ended up uh, with the uh, lower close there, too. So we end up uh, with weekly closes, lower for the week.
11: Thanks. That's Joe Teal, Great Plains
5: Commodities. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. There's a shortage of veterinarians in the U.S., and the AVMA, American Veterinary Medical Association, is looking to change that. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Joining us to talk about this shortage is Dr. John Thompson, Dean Emeritus of Iowa State University College of Veterinary Medicine. Dr. Thompson, we thank you for joining us today. Kind of talk to us about where uh, rural America stands right now and the shortage of vets they're experiencing.
9: Well, it's uh, it, it's as much as geographical areas, uh, you know, that are that are in need of veterinary services, and and also in certain uh, specialty areas uh, in the food supply uh, system itself uh, that has needs for more veterinarians.
5: And while the veterinary medical practice is a world of, of passion for the profession, it does kind of come down to economics as one reason we're seeing this vet shortages. Right now, what's about the average debt load that a vet student incurs by the time they get out of college ready for the workforce?
9: Well, the average, the average student, is, it's over $145,000 for the average student with debt. Uh, so it's significant
5: dr thompson that's quite a debt load that these students are incurring by the time they're ready to go back to the workforce now for vets that uh... can agree to work in these rural areas where they're seeing a vet shortage there is a program that'll help repay part of those student loans but there right now there's a there's kind of an issue with the tax end of it explain to us the program and then the issue we're seeing with the tax withholdings from it
9: well what what uh... the, the awards go to uh... Successful applicants that are willing to practice in designated areas uh, and provide uh, specific service, type of services in that area, and for for that uh, they are uh, they are provided twenty five thousand dollars in debt relief per year for three years up to seventy five thousand dollars, but. When the program was put in place, uh, we didn't realize that they were going to put a a tax on that. And so uh, it has required the program to provide about $104,000 to get $75,000 to successful applicant.
5: To help offset this tax, the AVMA is supporting right now a congressional and Senate bill called the Veterinary Medicine Loan Repayment. Program Enhancement Act, and Dr. Thompson, talk to us about how the Enhancement Act looks to kind of tackle this tax issue and make uh, more money available to the program for these rural vets.
9: Well, we, when we originally originally set the program up, we didn't have any idea that that uh, there was going to be a, a tax on on the awards given out, and you know, it was determined that that they should be that it that it should be taxed and. So what that's done is it's taken taken uh, about $104,000 uh, for the program to be able to provide $75,000 of debt forgiveness uh, to the successful applicant. And if we could get that tax removed, uh, if just that many more uh, applicants would be be uh, successful. And and uh, it's it's kind of a an unexpected twist in the tax system, but hopefully we can get some support to relieve that. It's not other programs similar to that in the health professions, medical side, and this type of thing. They're not taxed, and so it, it makes sense to get that tax removed.
5: That's Dr. John Thompson, Dean Emeritus of Iowa State University College of Veterinary Medicine, talking to us today about the uh, AVMA Support of Veterinary Medicine Loan Repayment Program Enhancement Act. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. A lot of pressure on the grains today
11: dewey nelson on the Rural radio network with us john payne senior marketing analyst with daniels ag marketing in chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in grain probably people in chicago are more entrenched on the, on the, on the amount of snow that you have gotten rather than the markets and the uh wheat trade today boy it led the way down
12: yeah, so we had a snap tender in the overnight. Uh, Egypt came to the market and said, hey, we want, we want some product and we need it soon. It wasn't an anticipated purchase. Uh, and it, it, it was offered a little bit lower than it was last week. And I think that kind of set the tone for things. Uh, as we saw some shorts here cover, we're about, oh, 15, 20, 20 cents? Not quite 20 cents off the highs on the July. I mean, 15 cents off the highs now from yesterday morning. Um, so I, you know, I think that combined with just a simple correction here is the reason why the market is, uh, is a little softer. Um, you know, and there's also some anticipation that maybe Kansas gets a snowstorm here. There, there's some models that are showing We're going to see some. It was a thin band, but uh, in my opinion, that's probably enough to get some shorts moving south. Uh, for the week, though, it wasn't, wasn't that bad. I actually, closed uh, with a positive gain, so you can focus on that if you'd like.
11: Speaking of positive gain, how about soybean meal?
12: That is a head scratcher, Dewey. I think that's kind of the thought here. China's been saber rattling, uh, quite a bit the last week. Oh, talking about soybeans and how they're going to tear up U.S. beans and, and, uh, you know, which I think is complete BS. But, uh, the r- reach around for that will be that they're maybe just import more meal. And that's what we've been seeing in these export reports. Throwing the fact that Argentina, who produces you know, essentially 50% of the world's supply of soy meal. They are, not saying drought, but, you know, this weather is very concerning down there, and there's, there's some buying. So uh, if the the patterns hold true with meal leading, I think you should see beans open higher next week.
11: And do you find it positive that that March corn contract stayed above the 360 level?
12: I do. I think corn is just, you know, we caught a little bit of a move higher. It was a little bit due to correct. I, I worry about March corn here going into delivery. I, I just, I mean, I've, I talked to folks the eastern part of the belt all the way out to the western part of kansas who grow corn milo and and soybeans and wheat and they all are essentially looking at delivering product uh, in mass in the next two weeks given that you know they're going to be focused on actually farming the new crop after that so you know delivery is not something that they want to be focused on as we get into the spring there are some money needs cash rents are due so i don't think march corn has a lot of upside from that 367 i wouldn't be shocked to see us maybe push up to that 370 level a lot of that will depend on argentina rains they got rain last night and i think that might be the soft reason today
11: thanks john john Payne. Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing, Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. We closed two and a quarter to three and three quarters lower in corn. Soybeans four and a half to five and a quarter lower. Kansas City wheat down nine. This is the Rural Radio Network.